Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are. Yes. Today we're going to talk about Eliza. Whose choice is this? Is it technically my choice? Or is it yours? It's kind of like a weird decision by committee. It's technically yours. <laughs> it's technically mine. We were going to do something else, and then we had a last-minute pivot to Eliza. So it's another game by your favourite studio? I guess they kind of are my favourite studio. They're certainly in like the top five. Yeah, Zaktronics Industries. And very surprisingly, it's not a programming puzzle game. So it's a visual novel, which it kind of feels like it's literally at the opposite end of the spectrum to programming puzzle game. I mean, visual novel is a genre better known for like hentai dating simulators. So for Zaktronics, a company that makes games where... That, well, to be honest, you can ignore the story entirely for most of them. This seems like a really bizarre choice. Although, personally, I actually think the story in the Zetronic games is actually quite compelling. But TIS 100, the previous game we played, you completely ignored slash missed the story and didn't really feel like you lost anything as a result. Whereas this time, the story is the game. If you're playing this game for the mechanics, there's like nothing here. It's all story. And I mean, there were a few moments while playing the game, I was actually thinking, wait, is it actually a dating simulator? But, well, I do think there are a few nods to it, but there's clearly not what it's really about. Have you played any visual novels? Nope. I was trying to figure out like what really counts as a visual novel. Like I think I have actually played some like hentai dating simulator at some point in my life, but I have no idea what it was called. And then more conventionally, Danganronpa, I think is considered a visual novel. Phoenix Wright and that series, I think is considered visual novel. Phoenix Wright is very good. I also played that freebie Lovers of Ether that got made as a... April Fool's joke, I think. And I have bought but never played Hatterful Boyfriend, the pigeon dating simulator. Anyway, anyway, so the story is written by Matthew Sagey Burns. He's a frequent collaborator with Zach Bath. I think he's actually written the story for a lot of the other Zachtronics games and also the music. And then the other thing I thought was funny was last time you actually said maybe Zachtronics should make a game about AI. And then this kind of is a game about AI. So they really did, though not at all in the form I had been thinking about it in. Me too. So what is Eliza? Not from a game mechanic standpoint, but in universe. It's an AI-based counselling service where human proxies deliver the counselling. This is a very good idea. Yeah, it's a very interesting premise for a game. And at this point, we have to say, spoilers for Eliza. Spoilers for Eliza. Because we're going to start talking about the story and the game is basically all story. <laughs> So 
it's all going to be spoiled. If you intend to play Eliza, you should probably go and play it first. It's not very long. Play it and come back. Or if you never intend to play Eliza, then obviously carry on listening. So we'll just do a quick run through of the the story to give some sort of context. Yeah, just the key story beats. So you are Evelyn Ishino Aubrey. You are starting your new job as an Eliza proxy after three years just, well, kind of doing nothing. I mean, actually, you've been working at a bookstore, but you've had like three years of just blankness. You meet Ray, who's the supervisor of the clinic. You meet your friend Nora, who's an ex-colleague. But not from the bookstore. No. She's an ex-colleague from your previous life, from over three years ago. And it's a mystery, right? There's like the first few chapters of the game, they're dropping hints about what you did before. But, you know, you can you can be a detective and you can piece it together if you want, or you can just wait and then the game will tell you, since there's no prize for figuring it out early. So Nora gives you a pass to a mental wellness conference. Mind 2.0. You go to the conference, you watch a talk by Soren, who is pioneering this new direct stimulation technology for, you know, induced controlled dreaming. And then as you're leaving the conference, you bump into Raina, who's the CEO of Skanda Corporation, which is actually the corporation that runs Eliza. And he knows you. And he wants, well, he wants to have a meeting with you. So again, these are all red flags that something's going on. You're clearly a somebody. And eventually it's revealed that you were one of the original engineers that built Eliza. So you made Eliza and then something happened. You burned out. You had three years of just trying to figure things out. And now, well, and now you're back. You do more proxy sessions. You find out things about other characters, about the world you're in and about yourself. Eventually, well, you're in demand so Soren wants you to work with him. Reyna wants you to work with him. Ray wants you to continue working as uh, an Eliza proxy because you're unusually good. Nora wants you to throw it all away and go and make music with her. And eventually you have to make your choice. And that's it. We were Lost Levels Club, <laughs> you know. But I haven't had my self-indulgent talk about <laughs> So where should we start? Without going into specific highlights then, what do you think about the story and the world and the world building? So the conference, the AI therapy conference where Soren produces or demonstrates his new idea was really on the edge of what I liked, what I didn't like and sort of opened my mind to what, to where I don't know what I want to say. Where the game was pitching itself, sort of trying to find this grey area, basically, right? Trying to find this moral grey area where where you're just slightly uncomfortable with what people are talking about. I think this was the moment where I thought, hmm, where's this really going now? Well, I think just it's just another facet of of world building is quite an interesting idea. There's a there's a lot of very interesting ideas that are kind of well they they are rooted in the real world. I'm sure there are people who are well actually no, I know that this induced dreaming thing is a real thing. There's that transcranial stimulation which I know in Silicon Valley people are experimenting with. They say that you know it helps you learn faster, it helps your brain work better cuz you know the activation potential like of your neurons it's kind of like making that threshold lower so it's easier for your brain to like fire and make new connections. And so like people are really doing stuff kind of like this 
in real life. And it's a world that's not actually too far-fetched. And there are also some kind of like slightly dystopian elements to it too. So they talk about how, you know, the world is undergoing a mental health crisis. And then there's a news article where it mentions offhand that this high school is going to institute mandatory, you know, fortnightly ELISA sessions for all of the students. That's kind of creepy, don't you think? Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Imagine if having that at the workplace right now. Yeah. And so that's Soren's storyline, the direct simulation, and then and then there's the the popularity of Eliza and people seeing it has value, which I guess is kind of Ray's. And then Rayner's is different again. Yeah, which is surprising, right? Was it clear to you? Was it obvious to you what he re- really wanted? I mean, his thinking is that he wants to he wants to make build- a general purpose AI. Yeah, exactly. And that's purely through gathering all the inputs into Eliza from the therapy sessions. I thought this was really clever because it actually really made the world much more believable. Because before, I was thinking, why is this company investing so much in Eliza? Because, you know, you discover that Eliza is just one tiny facet of what they're doing, and yet they're clearly investing huge amounts of resources into it. And why does Rayner know who you are personally? It's quite unusual, I think, for the CEO of a company to know its tech talent. I mean, maybe maybe at tech firms it's different, but, you know, for the CEO of the company to know who the star engineers are, certainly in the companies we work at, I think that would never happen. But Rayner, Rayner knows who you are personally. And when he bumps into you, you know, he wants a meeting with you. And it's because he sees the therapy program as just one tiny facet. And when you, when you see the full Eliza cluster, you know, you are thinking to yourself, wow, how has it gotten so big? And then he reveals to you, oh, only a tiny portion of it is running the therapy program. And then it all makes sense. An extension from this is as part of the therapy program, clients are asked to enable transparency mode and Eliza can peer into your emails and your messages more data eat up that delicious delicious data and you know and they do this while you're your most vulnerable and you just need to verbally agree and I thought this was brilliant <laughs> brilliantly dystopian yeah sometimes when the evil is that smart you can only applaud it Wow, Ting. I'm not sure what to say to that. What I mean is, be my henchman. Be my henchman. We're going to take over the world. (laughs) So you have this, and then another thread is, there's a moment where you're given the option to override Liza's responses with your own, and then that contrast really demonstrates how weak Eliza is. I mean, it's all storytelling, yeah. right? So it's the natural arc of the story that they want you to think Eliza's amazing and then they want you to doubt Eliza. And so is it realistic? Is it not realistic? I don't know. But it, it's a good story. It is a great story. And yeah, it gives a real sense of growth of the character of Evelyn and also like closure of the arc of like Eliza. And then on that topic, I guess. So Eliza is actually named after a real AI called Eliza. So there was a computer program in the 60s called Eliza, and it could run a doctor script, which I guess is kind of like the analog of the therapy program that part of the Eliza cluster is running. And it basically just reflected things you said back at you which I think is a style of psychotherapy. You know, you say, oh, I'm feeling very down. And, you know, it will say back to you, why do you feel down? Or say like, oh, I feel like an umbrella. And it'll be like, what do you think about umbrellas? Like, even if it's like absolute nonsense, it will just reflect it back to you. And the Eliza in the game is kind of like that too. 
although obviously a bit smarter. And I do I think the other thing that's interesting is that how does Eliza actually help people? I'm not sure Eliza is really that helpful. I think the thing it does that has the most benefit is just listening to people, which ties into the original name that Evelyn in the game gives the program. She originally called it The Listener. And I think just being there and having the human proxy listen to what the clients say and then reflect some small amount back at them and give some prodding. That's the thing that seems to have the real therapeutic benefit because the actual things it prescribes afterwards are just like, I'm going to prescribe you a virtual experience called Dolphin Smiles. <laughs> Try it for 15 minutes a day. And it's like, yay, happy dolphins. This really helped me. It's like, it will help you take your mind off things. I don't know. I'm very skeptical about Eliza's actual therapeutic benefit. But then again, that's actually the whole Soren story. He thinks that too. That's why he's doing the direct stimulation. Did I miss another part of the story? Were you able to enable Dolphin Smiles? Were you able to run Dolphin Smiles? No. No, good. Sadly not. Sadly not. Or at least not as far as I'm aware. I did click into the wellness app and I couldn't run any of the, couldn't see any meditations. Yeah, it won't let you do it. Okay, so now we have an overview of overview of the story, you know, and a bit of detail to see how the arc progresses. Let's talk about some of the, the details, the highlights. Our personal highlights. Yeah. I mean, I thought the first proxy session is really intense. Since Evelyn has never done it before, and you as the player have never done it before. And you sit down and you're talking to this guy and he's just, he's just getting more and more upset. And he's saying like, I want to talk to the human. I don't, I don't want to talk to the machine. I want to talk to the human. I want to talk to you. And you as the player, surprisingly, have to follow the script. Like I thought, you know, it's a visual novel. You're going to get to make choices that change the narrative. But you don't get to choose what happens in the proxy sessions. You literally just read the script. But the script tells you, okay, it's me, the human. I'm not following the script anymore. And he says, okay, prove it. What's your name? He goes, oh, my name's Evelyn. And you are following the script, but you make it sound like you're talking to him directly and you're not following the script. And then he calms down and he feels better about the whole thing. And then after the session, you go and talk to Ray, the supervisor, and she tells you, oh, yeah, that was a that was an intense session for your first one. And it's actually quite common for people to demand to talk to the human. It happens so often that we put in a special case in Eliza, which I thought was pretty funny. But that explains why it, it works so seamlessly. And then you don't see that guy again until the very end of the game depending on the choices you make. Yep. Or depending on literally one choice you make. So I want to talk about the therapy session. But actually, before even that, there's a neat reference to the useless but cool heart. Yeah, within the session, to the left and right of the screen is all this information about like the breathing rate and the heart rate and then picking out elements of the conversation and saying whether they're positive or negative or like there's a forced reflow or switching to like stage five or something. Each session is broken down into five sections. So introduction, discovery, challenge, intervention and conclusion. Is this, is this template like a standard template? I mean, have you experienced this? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about actually being a therapist or giving therapy to know if this is a normal thing. But did you receive it? Were you on the other end of this? 
Well, when you're receiving therapy, I don't think you're thinking about it that deeply to deconstruct it. Because the fact that you're in a therapy session probably means that you've got problems and you can't deal with it. Or you're just thinking, this is really expensive. When are we going to get to the point where I talk about all my problems? But it's up to you to talk about your problems. I want the introduction phase to be as short as possible. Oh, geez, I just realized I'm like Harriman or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the HUD is completely pointless to you as the proxy, which is interesting. It's, it's interesting to you as the player to see stuff going on. And I think you can read more into it than is really there. It's just all world building and flavor again, I think. Yeah. It's more of an insight into how Eliza works, and it's just all for the story. And finally, post-session, after the session, you get your star rating, tips, and then you get badges, achievements. Yeah, you get XP and you level up as a proxy. Is this something that like Uber drivers, delivery drivers have to suffer? Again, I don't actually know. I've never been a delivery driver or an Uber driver. It wouldn't surprise me if this actually is real. I wonder as a rider, no, it just would never make sense for me as a customer to have these ratings. I actually, I know I have a rating. What am I talking about? I definitely have a new... Yeah, you get you get a rating, but you get a level. Actually, you do get a level. <laughs> I just realized as a customer, you do get a level. Oh, you do? Because you get points and you level up in your Uber rewards and stuff. I'm I'm a blue rewards customer, which is the lowest <laughs> level. Gamification is everywhere. But, uh, you know, the next step is Uber should allow you to buy bonus packs so you can level up your your customer. Are you going to buy... <laughs> You're going to buy double XP. It's like, it's a double XP weekend on Uber. Go and take a little pointless journeys. It it probably would work as well. We're going to revolutionize the gig economy again. If you've got double XP for ordering Deliveroo, it might actually make me think like, oh, I was going to try and be healthy today, but it's double XP weekend on Deliveroo. So it's a sensible thing to do to order takeout. It would work. It's all just self-justification. So Mike... You wanted to talk about another therapy session. Well, there are a few there are a few of your clients that I just I just found particularly interesting or amusing. So yeah, and so one of them is Mark Foras, who is an engineer at Skanda, and he has been forced to do the session by HR because well, they said he has anger management issues. He basically had a go at a junior engineer and yeah, HR are making him do the session. So he thinks it's pointless. He's not shy about letting you know he thinks it's pointless. And I just thought it was funny because we mentioned before, there's this like sentiment analysis module for Eliza about whether the client is saying something positive or negative. And Mark Forass's session is basically just constantly going neg, 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 neg. Like literally everything he says <laughs> is negative. He's just like full of righteous indignation that he has to do this therapy session with an AI chatbot that he thinks is also completely pointless. So he his attitude is that young people are really pissy and entitled these days. Uh, my favorite. I mean, he has this amazing line where he goes why would we want these conceited over celebrated whelps on our team i just like i thought it was so good i could not work for him yeah he's probably actually a terrible person to work with or for but i think it is actually not an uncommon sentiment now in the coding world that i mean you know what it's probably been a not uncommon sentiment like since the dawn of time that like oh these youngins are clueless right but i don't know if it's actually i don't know if it's even more so now that like junior engineers have no idea how to program i don't think i've got senior enough to to look down on junior engineers yet Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really been doing any programming for the last few years either, so I probably can't judge. But certainly other friends who are still coding 
are complaining about you know the grads that are coming in they're just saying they're terrible or at least a lot of the interviews they're giving the people have no idea what they're doing and i could certainly i can certainly attest to that i've definitely interviewed candidates who have not had the faintest clue how to program you're not attracting the right kind of talent well clearly not well i actually also think that maybe it's because the industry we work in is not actually where the top coding talent wants to work anymore and so that's probably also a significant factor like we're not getting the good candidates anymore although scanda in universe clearly is meant to be I don't know. I mean, I can see kind of where he's coming from because I did once make an intern cry. But, you know, I don't think I was mean or anything. I just asked them to do some programming thing and they just they just said they didn't really want to. And I just said, I'm sorry, but it's your job. And sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. And they just burst into tears. I don't understand. They didn't want... Why would they not want to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like... Why did you take an internship in a coding team if you didn't want to write any code? Like, seriously. Anyway, we found them a transfer and they were much happier. To another coding team without you. (laughs) Can we move on to Ray? Move on. So at some point you were invited to hang out with Ray and and bake some cookies. And I did want to ask you... Which flavour of cookies did you say you liked? Oh, what did you say? I didn't make a note. Oatmeal and raisin is what I would have said if it was a choice. Why ask me this question if you can't even remember what you said? I actually said, it's kind of obscure. And then then she just starts talking about why she wants to know your favourite cookie rather than probing about exactly what it is. I was going to pick chocolate chip, but I just thought that was too obvious. And then I was like, oh, it's kind of obscure. (laughs) In real life, I probably would have chosen chocolate chip unless I was trying to be ultra hipster. I don't understand. So what you wanted to say was on the list, but you still said it's kind of obscure. Well, I felt like Evelyn maybe would have liked an obscure cookie. I don't know. Well, I mean, I would suppose I, what would my real answer be? Those ginger, those ginger ones that are coated in dark chocolate, they're really good. Can't eat those every day, though. They're too rich. They're not that obscure either. But before you get onto the cooking, the baking, Ray and Evelyn talk about relationships. And they both agree that people are just over relationships at a certain point. I thought this was interesting because you've interpreted this as people are just over relationships but ray is asexual if you probe differently if you ask a slightly different question it's not that ray is over relationships it's just that most people want a physical relationship and ray just isn't into that full stop not with a man not with a woman she's just not into physical relationships she wants like an emotional relationship but she doesn't want a physical one. And you can say that you don't do physical relationships either. And then you and her have like a moment together where you're like, oh, someone who understands. But Ray is asexual. Or at least that was my interpretation of the conversation. And it did make me wonder whether the game was going to be really representative of all sexualities and stuff, which I guess it kind of is. Well, I mean, all is obviously quite a strong term, but it tries. All right. And then on to lighthearted nonsense again. Harriman's therapy arc. So this guy, when he started talking, I was thinking he sounds just like Phil Wang. And Phil Wang is this comedian who's sometimes on the BBC Friday Night Comedy Podcast. And then I looked it up and it actually is Phil Wang. I would not have expected to have heard some random British Asian comedian in an American game, but he got the gig, I guess. It's Phil Wang. He's very funny. And he's very funny in this game as well. He's a completely ridiculous character. So... What's his story? 
So in the first session, he's totally like pining after this woman called Sylvia. He's just like, going, oh, Sylvia, I saw her at the library. Sylvia, 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 you know, like I, I want to introduce myself to her. But what if she's not interested in like all this stuff? And then you prescribe him. What do you prescribe him? Dolphin smiles? I don't know. Some nonsense. Anyway, second session. He tells you that he slept with Sylvia. And he's like, I don't know why I was so worried. He just, we started talking. And then one thing led to another. And next thing I knew, I was in bed with her. But then, <laughs> but then he says, but I'm actually, I'm even more worried now. I mean, what am I going to tell Liz? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then he's like, oh. I, what a twist. I didn't, I forgot to mention that to you last time. I sort of have a girlfriend. I was like, wait, what? So his arc is basically, he got everything he wanted and it ruined his life. I, I think he literally says those words. He does. Because he's an idiot. He's a legend. He's a le- Seriously, who does this? Everyone does this. Really? Okay. This is, uh, yeah, people get what they want and ruin their lives. Yeah. Oh, okay. In that sense, yes. I thought you meant just the randomly <laughs> cheating on your girlfriend. Yeah, ruining their lives, following the monkey brain. Not following, well, you know. I think Evelyn comments that her experience as a grad student was nothing like his. But, I mean, this guy's an English literature major, right? So maybe, maybe that's saying something about... English literature, grad students versus, I assume Evelyn was doing comp sci or something. I could relate to this. I felt like we worked a lot harder than the art students. You know, and it's one of the many times where I could relate to Evelyn's plight or view of the world, her situation, or how she got to where she is today. And then Holiday Durant... Yes, holiday. This one was another real twist because you do a few sessions with Holiday and she just appears to be all over the place. But it seems that she's just come in for a chat. She's like by far the oldest client. She must be like 50s or 60s or something. 60s, surely. I I think she's she's pretty old, I think. She's retired is the sense I get. And my read of the situation was just that she wanted to come in and have a chat because she's got no one particularly to talk to. So she's just coming in to talk to someone. And then Eliza has no clue how to handle Holiday Durant because like she just skips about all over the place. She's just saying, you know, like, oh, I was on the bus and there was a guy playing the guitar on the bus. But then the bus conductor's not care anymore because, you know, the bus conductor didn't try and tell the guy to stop playing music. But then you never hear music anymore. Isn't it a shame? Or then, you know, do you do past life regression? Are you going to regress me into my past life? And like Eliza is like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I'm sorry, I don't understand. And then you can see the left sidebar where it's doing the positive negative thing. It's just saying like forced reflow during execution, forced reflow during execution. Like it doesn't, it has no clue how to follow the conversation. So this is, this session or holiday sessions re-highlighted Eliza's weakness or gaps. Although it does do one good thing because she mentions that she has shoulder pain and Eliza suggests for Pran hydrochloride, I don't know, some drug, some fictional drug. And then you later discover that that drug is actually for joint and shoulder pain. So it's like, whoa, that was on point. Well done, Eliza. For once you didn't prescribe dolphin smiles and it was on point. Although it does later prescribe dolphin smiles. But anyway, you do transparency mode for holiday and you get to read all her emails and her texts and then you discover that holiday's got major major problems and she just never brings them up so it's not that she just wants to come in for a chat is it more that she wants to come in to talk through these terrible terrible problems and then just can't she's like too embarrassed to talk about it and so she just ends up making pointless small talk i don't know but you discover that 
Holiday is in serious financial trouble and she's going to be evicted and she's got like no source of income. Yeah, Holiday's in a really bad way. And then in the story, I think the other thing that was interesting is how how that impacts Evelyn. Like Evelyn is really moved by, you know, Holiday's troubles. Like I think Evelyn has never really thought about well, like having problems like this, you know, it mentions as well somewhere else in the story that her former job as an engineer paid, you know, more than an order of magnitude, more than the job as a proxy. So she was well paid before. And so like the concept of someone being in this kind of financial distress, I think it's like, it's literally something she's never thought about before. And it, it really, yeah, cuts her. So the interesting thing about transparency mode is that you have to confirm, you have to read the emails, read the messages, and then confirm the statements. Yes. But that doesn't do anything in this game. Yeah, the transparency mode for Eliza, you're basically just saying whether or not Eliza has read the situation correctly. But in the game, it's not really for mechanical purposes it's more exposition it's a way for them to tell you the backstory of these characters and it's it's a good storytelling device yeah they've seamlessly fit it into the universe in a way that makes sense because the next transparency mode that we want to talk about is Soren's. this was i mean this was so creepy right because soren definitely did not ask for this but he must have signed something in the past that means they have the permission to show it to you i mean this is definitely he doesn't know about it sure yeah exactly this is definitely meeting the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law this is definitely using their powers for evil and you find out that soren is really not happy soren is deeply deeply unhappy about everything and he's got a drinking problem and he's estranged from his family he just pesters people and basically Eliza is showing you this because Skander wants to show you this because Reyna wants to show you this because Reyna wants you to work for him, not Soren. Yeah, so I thought it was a, I thought it was a very good story moment. And then I guess my last major, major highlight is the first time you're given a choice while acting as a proxy. So... In the final three proxy sessions of the game, with no warning, you suddenly get given the choice to go off script. So Eliza tells you what to say, and usually there's only one option, which is to say what Eliza tells you to say. But for these last three sessions, you can choose to say something else. And the first time this happened, I literally just stared at the screen for like 10 minutes, agonizing about whether to stick with Eliza or just to go off piste. And in the end, I chose to stick with Eliza, at least for the first playthrough. So you knew it happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, I told you. When I, when I saw the two options, I was suddenly like, whoa, I get a choice? I just clicked. I clicked. I just I made this a choice thinking it was just a conversation it happened so naturally my brain just said oh this is what i would i would want to say and i just chose evelyn's lines because it seemed so obvious obviously better than eliza (laughs) yeah and it is much better than eliza though i would say this is the writing but yes i went through and replayed the chapter and i i chose to not follow eliza and the sessions go much better when you do the talking rather than Eliza. But anyway, yeah, I thought the narrative device of suddenly being given the choice at the end made it really powerful because all the way through the game up until now, you've never had the choice. But I guess for you, it didn't have that impact because you were just like, autopilot, click. But, you know, but reflecting back on it, it made me realise how there's a, a massive contrast in the abilities of the proxy versus... Eliza, or abilities of Evelyn, or any human, really. I'm not sure you could say any human. If you'd had Mark Forrest 
in that seat. Okay. So, shall we try to bring it all together? Up to now, everything has been pretty much one route, one path. And then, sort of, in the last two chapters, there are some decisions to be made. And really, they're the only decisions in the game. Yeah, the whole game is really very linear. Like, outside of the therapy, you do get some options of what to say but everything collapses back to the main story path very quickly regardless of what you do the same things always happen except during well depending on whether you think chapter seven is just endings or a chapter in itself the final or penultimate chapter so in in chapter six is the only time your decisions kind of matter so before you even start talking about the decisions the choices a question I had for you is, how do you make these decisions? Do you, do you answer them for yourself or do you answer them for Evelyn? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm playing as a character, I usually will try and answer as the character. But having said that, I think, you know, I must surely be subconsciously injecting my own biases and opinions in there anyway, regardless. So... Yeah. And and then also Evelyn is actually Evelyn has backstory, but Evelyn is actually quite a blank slate in many ways because she's just come back from this, you know, three year gap and she quite explicitly has no opinion about all this stuff. So it's kind of a cop out answer. It's kind of like, oh a bit of both. Well reasoned though. So what did you choose? What are the questions? So the first question is, you have to answer what you want in life, and that's in Evelyn's session with Eliza. Yeah, so you do a session where you are the client, not the proxy. And Eliza asks you, what do you want in life? And I said, well, I made Evelyn say, <laughs> to understand what's really going on. Which is actually kind of what I do think myself. I guess that is what I want. The, the, the temptation to turn this into a therapy There is a massive temptation to turn this into a therapy session. It's just too... It's just too easy. It's just too much. What did you say? What I want in life is to excel at something. And did you feel this was... Something Evelyn would say, or is this what you think yourself? This is what I think myself. This game is so funny because it is just... <laughs> it's just like a linear dating simulator, and yet it's evoked all these very interesting <laughs> responses from us. Have you always... Th- okay, I'm just going to ask it, I don't care. Have you always thought this, that you've always just wanted to understand what's really going on? Yes. Even when you were a youngster, that's what I mean. Yes. I mean, literally, I can remember as a child thinking, wow, I wish I knew what was really happening. I wish I knew what really happened in this event or what these people really thought or think. You know, imagine being, well, I was going to say omnipotent, but omniscient. And really knowing everything, like really knowing everything. Yeah, I was a weird kid. I'm a weird adult now. Sorry. I have many more questions, but I'm going to stop there. I don't think they'll be beneficial for anyone. 
<laughs> I don't think it'll be beneficial for this like six hour podcast recording that I then have to edit. We can do them in episode 201. <laughs> or the wrap up. Okay. And then Eliza will ask you later on in the session, is there someone with whom you feel like your communication could work? And I chose Ray. Why did you choose Ray? In universe, the way I had played Evelyn to that point, I felt that Ray was the most consistent choice with my previous choices, even though the previous choices don't matter. And you can choose anyone at this point and it will still carry on fine. But the the things I had done and my own personal like sense of the narrative, I felt like Ray was the most appropriate choice here because I was already leaning to continue to work on Eliza. And thus, I didn't feel it would be appropriate to say I was communicating really well with Nora because Nora obviously feels very differently about Eliza. She, th- she thinks Eliza is like a waste of time or making the world worse. Anyway, so anyway, that was my own self-justification. I chose Ray. But you did choose... Nora. Because... Because she's someone with whom I feel that my communication could work. <laughs> okay, fine. You personally or you, Evelyn... Evelyn, Evelyn, Evelyn needs Nora. I don't see how Ray is the answer to anything. Interesting. I don't think Ray offers the challenge that Nora does. Oh, interesting. You know, they should probably just use this game as therapy for engineers. (laughs) This is very interesting, these insights that are coming out. Okay. And then you have to choose someone to spend time with. Obviously, you spent time with Ray. But no, I actually spent time with Nora. (laughs) That's consistent. Hey, I can still be friends with her even (laughs) though I disagree with her. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be seeing a lot more of Ray. I might not be seeing so much of Nora. Okay. That was my justification. I also chose Nora. Yeah, I mean that that makes more logical sense. It's a it's a more on the surface making sense choice, yes. Okay, and then finally, the final choice, which is the one that determines the ending you get. So, I chose to work on Eliza. So, to to go back to my old job, to work for Rayna, and to try and make Eliza into a general purpose AI. Yes. And what did you choose? I chose the same thing. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Okay, I mean, I guess you can keep your work and personal life separate. Nora seems relatively, like, non-judgmental about you working on Eliza, I guess, even though she thinks it's bad. Yeah, a piece of trash. Interesting. But I really did consider Nora as well for a long time. Yeah, I mean, well, I went back and replays chapter six to see what happens if you you know you don't follow the eliza script and then also i went back and jumped in just to watch the different endings so so my first choice was work on eliza work for reina but then i then subsequently chose the nora ending the soren ending the ray ending and then the nobody ending where you're just like I worked on Eliza and some stuff happened and now some other stuff happened and I'm just going to throw it all away and move to Japan. To find her father? Yeah. The order in which you try the alternatives, are they in order of your preference? Yes. Okay. Because obviously I'm going to choose the ones that I'm interested in first. Soren is a third though. No way. No way. Wow. Why? Why? What's what's wrong about that? He's a creepy dude. Don't work with creepy dudes. I'm not working with him because I like Soren. I'm working with him because I think that brain stimulation is an interesting idea. I don't think you've ever worked with anyone who's really manipulated you to your very core and had to suffer for it. Uh, excuse me. I mean, I did a job where I had to have therapy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so, but you'll still work for Soren. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe I just have no idea what I'm doing. But... 
I'm making this okay. into a therapy session. It's, I'm, I'm, my, yeah, this I'm is, just this a bad really person. <laughs> I am a bad person. Thanks a lot, Ting. Thanks a lot, Ting. Giving away way too much here. It's interesting. You, you ch- We're going to talk about the gay sex dungeon next. <laughs> but Soren is the third choice. Okay, fine. I'm just re- really surprised to see that. Did you go and watch any of the other endings? I watched the other ones, but I didn't watch Soren's. I just didn't want to. Wow. You, you really thought Soren was a creep? Yeah. Soren's kind of harmless, right? Like Soren... Soren... Soren's just like it's a dirty old man, right? But he's, yeah, but you can't he's, say that. You can't say he's just harmless. Well, well, he's this not, is another he's not gonna, conversation. He's not going to force himself on you. It's just going to be like weird tension in the workplace. But, you know. But everyone suffers from it, though. It sounds like he has a history of making everyone have this uncomfortable... Have to suffer his uncomfortable presence. Yeah, it, you're not going to feel it because you've got a magical brain stimulation device that's just going to make you not care. That's the whole point about his ending. Literally, the whole point about the ending is that it's like weird and false. Like, no one has any problems. The problems are all there, but you just don't feel them. I just, again, I thought it was a really interesting ending. I thought you were going to say that's how someone gets you by directly stimulating your mind. You know what? That's definitely a risk. But, (laughs) But that's why you want to be the one programming it, right? You can fix Soren instead. You're the chief engineer. True. I did think it was actually kind of funny in the Rainer ending that Evelyn slips right back into like business speak. She's like, I'm going to call a meeting and we're going to set out a three-year project plan for blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa. Grim. What happened to your soul? (laughs) But people who just turn it on, right? You can just turn it on. You know, no matter how sad or miserable you are if you want to crush people you'll crush people you'll find it within you i guess so that sounded quite bad this, this episode is making me sound like a monster <laughs> that's why i'm good at my job So closing thoughts. The story's really clever and there's a real arc to it. It all it almost feels like they've divide it's like an engineer's approach to storytelling where they've decided, okay, I'm gonna break the story up into thirds, into sixths, and it and there'll be a, a clear arc going up and then down, or how you wanna describe it. It's just really neat and tidy. And I, the only thing I can compare it to is like Baldur's Gate 2 where you have all this fat in chapter 2 and then nothing in chapters 4 and 5 5 and 6 you know at the, at, at the back end of the story so firstly you're, you're presented with this impressive technology I was wowed by I don't know if you were maybe it's all very tropey to you no I, I think it is impressive you know, again, that first therapy session is quite intense, uh, and it makes Eliza look look good, right? It's like, whoa, it's figured out what this guy wants to hear and what's going to calm him down, even though it turns out it was a special case. And then, as the story progresses, you peek behind the curtain; it's not quite right, and it's it's demanding too much of its users. I mean, I think that's more to do with Skander's philosophy. And then finally, in the final acts, you everything's pushing towards a decision, a conclusion. It's nothing that no one wins. There's no win. There's no win. I don't know. I mean, the ending is what you make of it, right? I mean, I think there's a bunch of happy endings, depending on 
well, what you consider happy. And then there is just this, it was all pointless. Some events happened. You can look at it like a story if you want, but really just some events happened and now I'm going to do something else. That's interesting. You said happy ending. Well, the, you know, the Rainer ending, you get what you want. You're going to make this strong AI and there's this sense that, I mean, it, it doesn't show it happening, but there's the sense that you're creating this new form of life, this new form of mind. And then the Soren ending, again, you're changing the world. You you create this technology and whether it's right or wrong, whether it's true or false, whether it's genuine or not, people will be happy as a result. The Nora ending. Evelyn actually says she's happy in the Nora ending in that moment. Exactly. The Nora ending, like you discover something about yourself, right? You discover something and you, you are in the, in this moment, truly happy. And the Ray ending, is it really the Ray ending or is it continuing to be a counselor ending? I I don't think it's necessarily so much that you see yourself with Ray, but it shows you doing a final session with I say final, a follow-up session with Darren, who's the guy from the very start of the game. And, you know, he tells you how much you really helped him. And he gives you like a hundred dollar tip. You know, so I guess showing that you feel fulfilled by being a therapist, by helping people and how much you're really helping people. I'd say those endings are happy. All four of them. Are you saying that? Yes. <laughs> apart from the throw it all away ending. Well, I say throw it all away ending. The Apart from the just break off from everyone you know and leave ending. I mean, that one is just ambiguous. Interesting. Interesting. What, you feel differently? Yeah, I don't feel the rain and or Soren endings... Actually, I don't know what Soren's ending is, so I couldn't comment. But putting all your eggs into the work basket, I don't think that, you know, even when she talks to Raina, they're just serving a purpose, which is greater than theirs. That's not happiness. You're just serving a purpose. This is my problem. I only need to go back to therapy again. <laughs> oh, dear. I do work too much. I continue to work too much. I don't think so. You're just working now. I'm just working because I don't know how to do anything else. No, you're just working. You're not working because you don't know how to do anything else. You're just working. <laughs> you're, you're frantically trying to keep the lid of the box closed <laughs> before... before anyway, we'll go to that later. <laughs> I don't know. There is just like so much I could say about this game. Right? Like... I don't know if the game will be as impactful for everyone, but the subject matter of the game and the characters in the game, I was able to identify with them very strongly. So Evelyn, a software engineer who then suffers what traumatic experiences and then burn out and then is just kind of lost for three years and then trying to put it all back together. I feel like literally I did that, you know, and then she talks about how she was just working and working and working. And then, then she discovered she was in her mid thirties and it's like, this is literally my life. And then yeah, you know, I literally went to therapy. I literally went to therapy. And then what was my experience of therapy? I think in a way, yeah, the therapy really was a lot like Eliza, although a lot more expensive. I mean, it probably was more effective because it was a real human. But I don't know, like therapy and to, you know, Soren's criticisms of therapy in this game. Therapy doesn't really fix stuff. Or at least that was my experience of it, right? You talk to someone, they listen to you, they say things back that try and alter your perspective a bit. But for me, I feel like 
I just lost control of a lot of things. And like, you know, if my mind was a box and all this, like the content was spilling out, out of control everywhere, really the therapy just helped me like put everything back in the box and put the lid back on it. Right. So like I was functional again, but the problems are all still there. But the box is stronger. It's bigger. Like, you know, it's. Is it? I don't know. It's no longer like made of paper. I don't know about that. You know, the box isn't a super saiyan. It doesn't get stronger with every near-death experience. Sorry, sorry. Anime references. Is it what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Or or does it just make you a little bit weaker for next time too? I don't know. Thanks a lot, Ting. You opened, you opened up the box. No, it's fine. Yeah, so anyway, I found this game very powerful in that sense like the story for me i was able to identify it with you know i identified with it very strongly i think i don't know i think it's just a thing about all the zaktronics games maybe it's just easy to identify with them or to enjoy them probably because of my engineering background so yeah i i do wonder if other people would feel the same way but you you also have a similar background right yes in engineering not so much the having a breakdown and going to therapy <laughs> and then working so hard that and then realizing i'm in my mid-30s um but yeah, I, you're married with two kids i guess so. but i have i've romanticized deving that hard engineering that hard i just never found the opportunity to work that hard <laughs> what does that mean i never found the project or the team in which to do it I've always wanted to build something. I think I still want to build something. And now with the the boundaries of parenting, actually, I don't think I'll ever work that hard, be able to work as hard as I would like. It's so funny. To, it's so funny that you're romanticizing it. But then again, I guess it's easy to romanticize about things you don't have or haven't done. Whereas I'm like, I could not do that again. You know, I did that for years and... Having said that, if I found myself in that situation, I would probably just do it again and it would be fine. But I just don't want to, I don't want to do it to myself, you know? Sorry, this really is like a therapy session. This is awful. (laughs) I think it depends on the project. I mean, if you find something which perfectly aligns with your, what's going to give you that state of flow, then you're going to be fine because you're going to enjoy the majority of the time you're working on it. Yeah, I mean, they do say if you enjoy your job, you'll never work a day in your life or something. Isn't there some like pithy saying like that? And you see, that's why I, how I've romanticized engineering, right? It's obvious. It's very clear. <laughs> if I'm building something I want to build or enjoy building, it's going to be easy. But the reality isn't like that though, right? You're going to have to do like 50% marketing probably. Yeah, more than <laughs> 90%. I think, I think I saw some comment about, you know, devs who make indie games this is back like years ago when i was trying to make well i want the like the one indie game i actually did make which was like the it was meant to be the practice game but i never actually made any of the follow-ups for for various reasons but you know they they say like when you're a dev you think 95 percent is making the game and then five percent is marketing but actually no it's like five percent is making the game 95 percent is marketing and then i don't know i mean there's actually so much more i could say there are huge chunks of game which we just haven't talked about so there are several other characters who have their own therapy arcs which are really interesting like maya or gabriel and there's also the solitaire mini game but given how long this recording is i think we won't be able to talk about them you said to me that I should just put my full unfiltered notes up on the blog because you know that I need to get my thoughts out there somehow. And if I don't put them up on the blog, I will just continue talking for like another three hours. So no, no, come on. Documenting is a good thing. We should document the process, right? You know, put out there, right? Yeah. I mean, so for most of the book club games now, as I'm playing them, I try to make notes 
And those notes are literally what I'm thinking at the time as I'm playing them. So they're not very well ordered. They're not very coherent, but they're they're more just like a, a stream of consciousness of what I was thinking at the moment I played the game. So I'll try and do some minimal formatting of them and then I'll just I'll just whack them on the blog. So there'll be a link to them in the show notes. Final, final closing thoughts. Good choice. It was weird. It was weird. It's a game about mental health. I'm all about mental health. It was a dangerous game. It almost opened the box up again. <laughs> no, no, no. It was fine. It, it. I enjoyed it. I was possibly too self-reflective about it. Same. But, yeah, it was... It's funny, because there's actually so little game here. It's really just like a largely linear narrative. Like, you could just sit there and just let the game just play out and you could watch it like a movie, right? Up until the end. You say that. I was thinking they could, they should make this into a film. Uh, I think it would be really powerful. Yeah. It's surprising that something with so little game, the few choices you make can be that impactful at the end. Oh, and one thing that disappointed me, there was no histogram. Because <laughs> it's a Zachtronics game. I want to know how many people chose Soren. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be a literal histogram, but I would have liked to have seen the percentage breakdown for who chose which ending for their first ending. You know, the first time people play through the game, which ending did they choose? I would be really curious about that. I did hear that the game actually is gathering and phoning home with all these stats. So maybe one day Zachtronics will actually write a blog post or something and and tell us. But I was disappointed that after you finish the game, it doesn't it doesn't give you a histogram to show how efficient your choices were or something. Or at least a breakdown of, wow, you chose Soren? No one chooses Soren. <laughs> Maybe no one chose Rainer. That would be scary. Well, I mean, I suspect that the leave everyone is going to be the least popular ending. But other than that, yeah, I don't know. My guess is that Nora is the most popular. And I don't feel like you were crushed hard enough. I'm sure there are quite a few people who left everything behind. Ouch. I can see a case for it. Anyhow, the next book club game is Borderlands 3. Boom. You've actually finished this already, but are continuing to play it a bit? Yep. I'm going to see what kind of endgame there is. Or what people do once they've finished. The story. Yes. I'm actually about 60% of the way through. So I'm going to try and finish it before we record that episode. But yeah, the next book club game will be Borderlands 3. We're going to talk about it in December. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else. Reddit slash r slash lost levels club so michael what are you grateful for today i'm grateful that i slept eight hours and ate a bag of fun size picnic bars so michael says bye bye bye